You're listening to the FUVFC Podcast on WFUVSports.org. Hello, everybody. Welcome into FUVFC, another exciting edition of Talking Soccer here in the Bronx. Soccer, football, whatever you want to call it. I'm Christian Hoban. I'm joined here by Christian Nokai and uh, Nicholas Lehman. How do I do, guys? Good, we're good. Not bad? Sounds Not good. bad on the names? All right. No? Perfect. All right. Perfect. So we've got a lot to get to, a lot of soccer going on, you know, as there always is. This is We're getting into the crunch, the holiday crunch. A lot of matches all around Europe, all around uh, happening. So we're going to start with not Europe. We're going to start with the Major League Soccer. We've got the uh, conference conference finals here in both conferences, Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. So we've got the second leg, I believe, tonight, uh, Wednesday, November 29th, is the Eastern Conference final second mm-hmm. leg, and tomorrow night is the Western Conference, or maybe it's they're both tonight. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure. But so we've got Columbus and Toronto tied nil-nil through the first leg. The first leg was in Columbus, so the second leg's in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, Toronto's coming home. Um, they're getting some players back that they didn't have in the first leg. What do you guys think about that matchup? Is there any shot for Columbus going to Toronto? Um, per, uh, everybody agrees a more talented squad in Toronto mm-hmm. than Columbus, but Columbus has kind of been playing with destiny, but they didn't get anything at home yeah. in the first leg with a decimated Toronto squad. So That's true, but at the same time, they shut out Toronto, and any time you can shut out Toronto, that's usually a That's a good, good point, day. yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Toronto, although they're great at home, and uh, the fact that they shut them out on the road, it, quite frankly, I watched it. It was a boring game, but that's what Columbus needed it to be because now they can go on the road, and even if they get hold it like 1-1, you know, they can move on on away goals. So, I mean, I think that's uh, really like their only path through. Like if they played similar to last game, but, you know, now at least they have the away goal advantage because Toronto didn't get anything on the road. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, you know, if they just score one goal and they can keep it 1-1, that's all they need. So I don't think they should – they might play a game where they're trying to rush and try to get the first goal. I think they just have to stay calm, stay poised. I know Altidore is back and also Sebastian Giovanico. So that's going to really help Toronto. But if you're Columbus, all you have to do is just breathe a little, get the one goal you need, and that is it. They have a chance because, again, the away goal is important, but it's going to be hard for them, especially in Toronto. Yeah, so – Givinko being back is is the the key for Toronto. Oops, <laughs> <laughs> close enough. So so Givinko being back is a very important thing for Toronto because not only is he the best in MLS at at taking a free kick by far. I think he's got something like fourteen free kick goals in the last two years, and nobody else in MLS has more than two or something absurd. Some absurd. I stat think he holds like the that. record already. Yeah, he's insane. He's one of the best free kick takers, not just in MLS but in the world. Um, so. Columbus has to be careful, like you said, they have to be poised and calm uh, because they can't give away that free kick to Sebastian Giovinco because he's going to make them pay. But they do have that away goal advantage. And they're kind of playing with house money, right? They're coming to Toronto. Toronto's so good at home, mm-hmm. especially with Giovinco and out the door back in the lineup. It's a little bit of house money, so Columbus kind of just gets to play a little more loosely. Yeah. Toronto has that pressure because they yes. should have won last year and they didn't. And, mm-hmm. now, and now they've got that pressure. They're the best team again. They should win this year. Mm-hmm. So they're playing with all that pressure. They're coming home. Their best players are returning. Columbus is kind of playing with no pressure at all, yeah. right? That's the best thing. You know, when you're kind of like an underdog team, it's like you like you just said, you don't have pressure. You can just go in there and enjoy yourself. I think if they can just play calm and smoothly, they can easily win this game. Play their style yeah, of exactly. soccer. Don't worry about what Toronto's doing. And so then – in the so – do you guys have a prediction for that, for that Columbus Toronto match? 
Uh, I'm going to go with uh, three-run Toronto. Three one. I'm take. I'll say one one. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two one Toronto. I'm gonna go. It's one one for a while, and everybody is like, "Oh, Columbus could get through with that away goal," and then just a Giovinco worldie from like thirty yards out, and everyone's like, "All <laughs> yep. right, it's whatever, yeah. fine." And so then we go to the Western Conference. A little less suspense in the Western Conference. Yeah. Um, Seattle's up. T- Seattle got a 2-0 victory in Houston uh, mm-hmm. in the first leg. So they're coming home to Seattle where they play great at home. That's a great atmosphere at CenturyLink Field in Seattle. Um, and they're up 2-0. Is there any shot for Houston? I'm going to go ahead and answer it and say probably not, but I'll let you guys answer as well. No, I don't think so. I mean, Houston played, what, a man down for, yeah, most, for the while. majority yeah. of the first yeah. legs. So, um, yeah, I think Seattle pretty much has this. I talking about the atmosphere at CenturyLink Field, I went there over the summer when they played Orlando City, and on a Wednesday evening, it was a 42,000-person crowd. Yeah, it's crazy. It was incredible. Um, You know, Seattle has just such an advantage when they play at home. I think think both Seattle teams that play there do, including the Seahawks, but, um, you know, the Sounders, they... They've proven over the past few years that despite, you know, even midseason struggles, they can they come through when it matters in the playoffs. So so very quickly on MLS, um, I'm assuming you, both of you are taking Seattle. Yeah, um, definitely. For the, so then very quickly for the MLS before we move on to uh, other stuff, we've got uh, the MLS has named four finalists uh, for an expansion team. Oh. Um, they've named uh, Detroit, Nashville, Sacramento and Cincinnati. It has to be Cincinnati, right? FC Cincinnati draws such great crowds for what are they in the USL? They're or the, the USL. NASL? I they draw they incredible p- crowds. Mm-hmm. They, they draw better crowds than a lot of MLS teams do, and they're yeah. in the USL. It it's got to be Cincinnati, right? I think they they put out eighteen thousand on a Tuesday night because yeah. I remember yeah. it was uh, wow. they were playing the Red Bulls in the um, U- US Open US Cup, Open yeah. Cup, and for in the semifinal, and they. Drew at, uh, brought out a huge crowd. Yeah, I was like stunned watching it. The game wasn't even televised, and I was watching it on my laptop. And the the crowd, the atmosphere was incredible. I think that's kind of the obvious choice for now. You could also maybe I would say maybe a second would be Detroit because uh, they had a they had a, a friendly game. It was I believe Man United and and Barcelona, and they drew like a hundred thousand people to the stadium. Yeah, at but, the, at the now, big house. In, yeah. So now, even though that's European soccer. Maybe there's a fan base there in Detroit. I don't know if I would necessarily say that, but I think Cincinnati is a logical option. I, as I well. don't think I don't think any of these cities are bad options. I right. mean, Detroit would you would get a crowd. Nashville you would probably get a very good crowd, mm-hmm. and Sacramento as well. Sacramento is probably the the yeah, weakest yeah. of the four options, but you would mm-hmm. still draw a decent crowd probably in Sacramento. But <laughs> FC Cincinnati has just been so consistently supported by their fan base. I I think you kind of have to. But the 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 other curious thing becomes. Do you fold FC Cincinnati as a franchise and create a MLS team, or do you just kind of promote, for lack of a better word, FC Cincinnati into I, the? Into I think MLS? you could promote FC Cincinnati. I mean, they did that with other clubs around uh, Canada. I know they did that with Vancouver and Portland, yeah. right? Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think they did. Yeah, right. So, I mean, it's possible to do it, and they clearly have a fan base now. I think that would be a mistake for the MLS to try and rebuild something that's already there, and. Going back to like the other cities, I mean, it could turn out to be another Atlanta, like where there's just like a gold mine where there's all these fans waiting mm-hmm. for a team. And we just don't know it, like a hidden fan base, because now all of a sudden Atlanta is putting out you know huge crowds, record every, record, record crowds, crowds yeah. every weekend, and you know I, I don't think anyone expected that great of a turnout. Mm-hmm. Like 
but that's just incredible. Like the 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 seventy one thousand I think they had for um, the one game against Orlando at, at Mercedes Benz Stadium, that, that brand new mm-hmm. stadium there. So we've talked about the MLS. We're going to talk about uh, perhaps a little bit uh, better quality soccer, uh, depending on who you ask. And I think you could ask anybody; they'd say it. Um, we're going to talk about the Champions League. Um, specifically, we're going to talk about uh, English teams in the Champions League because all five English teams are on top of their group in the Champions League. Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea, Liverpool, and Tottenham. So the question that I have is, the who do you guys think has been the, the most impressive Champions League performance from an English team so far? And I'm going to give you three options. Mm-hmm. I'm going to discount Liverpool because they have not been impressive. Um, so I know that's <laughs> that's, uh, that's not going to be your answer, and right. I'm gonna I'm gonna take out Chelsea because oh, come on, <laughs> Chelsea have been good, but they haven't they haven't been as Dumb, impressive yeah. as the other uh, teams. So the options yes, I'm gonna give yes. you are Manchester City and Manchester United, who have smashed through mm-hmm. easy groups. They've had groups similar to Liverpool's group, but they just smashed their way through them, just completely dominated. And the other option I'm gonna give you is Tottenham, who were in the group of death. With Real Madrid, two-time defending European champions, and Borussia Dortmund, who are a very quality squad, yeah, mm-hmm. and they won that group. So those are your three yep. options. Um, I know who I'm going to answer, and I think everybody who's familiar with my <laughs> yeah. fandom knows what I'm going to answer. But I'll let you guys answer first. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go with Man City because they first of all they won all their games. They have a goal. They have, they've scored 13 goals and only given up three. That's Pretty impressive. They've been really good, and also they've been good in the Barclays Premier League too. That's well, we'll, my we'll, we'll get to their we'll get to their Premier League <laughs> uh, form um, in a bit. So uh, Nicholas, who who would you say has been the most impressive? Uh, as much as it kills me, I think I got to go with Tottenham just because they've more than played with these teams. I mean, Borussia Dortmund literally still does not have a win. That's mind blowing to I think most of us here, and and they played with Real Madrid. Uh, they drew them. They, they drew yeah, them they drew at them. the Bernabeu, and then they beat them at Wembley. It very impressive from Tottenham. I mean, if they could do that in Premier League play, I mean, you could yeah, only imagine. It, where it's they crazy would. that they can, you know, beat two-time defending European champions Real Real Madrid, and then lose to West Brom or draw <laughs> West Brom and lose to Leicester. I know it. It's it's frustrating but i think leicester went through that last year too yeah. in, in england in the, and then yeah Europe. they were they were playing well in, right, in the champions were, league and then they were just horrific mm-hmm. in, in domestically they were so and, and it's not bad as that situation but i i definitely think that tottenham is certainly the most impressive and it should be interesting to see who they draw in, in the uh knockout stages. yeah and it, and it is interesting because um if any of these english teams drop to second Current, as it sits, they're all first in their group, and if they all win their group, there's not a lot of issue because they can all dr- they can all draw second place teams. But if some of them drop to second, the draw gets complicated because you can't draw a domestic opponent in the round of 16 in the Champions League. So it gets very so things get complicated if say Sevilla wins uh, Group E instead of Liverpool, or if Roma pulls off Group C instead of Chelsea, or something like that. It gets very very complicated in terms of the draw, in terms of who. Manchester United and Manchester City and Tottenham can draw because they've all won their groups. Um, so it, it will be interesting to see who they draw in the round of 16. And speaking of moving into the knockout stages here, so before the before the tournament started, before the Champions League started, there was pretty much a consensus about who the two biggest, who the two contenders were for the title, who if you had to pick two teams to be the, your top contenders for the title, you would pick PSG with 
Neymar newly transferred in and all their brand new shiny new toys. Mm -hmm. And Real Madrid, two-time defending Champions League champions with still a really strong lineup. Not much has left, um, though Gareth Bale's been hurt, but Mm -hmm. still Mm -hmm. an incredibly strong lineup with the rise of players like Isco and Asensio into the lineup. Um, So my question is, does their form through group play make you think that they're still the favorite. So I, w- I want to read you their form. So uh, PSG has five wins in five matches in uh, their group play, and their goal difference is plus 23. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. In five <laughs> matches. And Real Madrid is second in their group. Uh, three wins, one draw, and one loss. Their loss be- coming on the road to Tottenham. Uh, plus nine goal differential, which is actually uh, better than Tottenham's, but they're, sec- they're mm-hmm. going to finish second in the group. Tottenham have officially won that group. Um, so is so are those two still your favorites, or has Barcelona's form impressed you enough, or Bayern Munich, who have finished second in PSG's group, or Juventus, who have finished second in Barcelona's group, have any of those teams impressed you enough, or even a team like Manchester City that's been dominant in the Champions League, have those teams proven that they can hang with the likes of PSG and Real Madrid, mostly PSG at this point, but are PSG and Real Madrid still your favorites, yes or no? You know what? I like PSG. I, I, they're still my favorite. For Real Madrid, I'm not sure because they're getting Gareth Bale back, which is a good thing. But Ronaldo, has been he's been playing well, but he hasn't been playing like Ronaldo. So I could see them being upset. And when you get into the knockout stages, anything is possible. Like a couple of years back, remember, Inter Milan beat Barcelona, and everybody was surprised about that. So you can you know, you know have favorites and stuff, but at the end of the day, it really matters on who you draw. And... PSG could maybe draw with maybe City or United, and they could get upset. But I would still say they're the favorites because they've been playing so well. But now there's going to be pressure on them to because they're the ones who are the favorites, so they're expected to get all the way to the end. So that so teams like a City or like a Man United or like a Chelsea could use that to their advantage. So I would still say that PSG is my favorite. I'm not sure about Real Madrid. Obviously, Barcelona with Messi is still always in contention, but... Like I said, anything is possible when you get when you get to the knockout stages. That's true. Um, I'm going to disagree with. I don't think they uh, PSG would get beat by Man United, uh, but I I think Man City could pose a challenge to them. Yeah, uh, I think I think if you're going to beat PSG, it's going to be by outscoring them. Yes, yes. I mean, 24 goals for one against. I mean, they they've just been on fire. I mean, they they play Bayern next Wednesday. So, but the Wait, one where is that match? Yeah. That's in that's in Germany. Okay, oh, so okay. that that'll be an interesting match. That, that will show us. But but it's also I'm not sure how much of a match you're going to get because PSG have uh, clinched the group. Yeah, and right, Bayern true. have clinched second place. I mean, Celtic is third place in that group with three points. Right. So I mean, I don't know if you're going to get full strength squads from both of those teams, mm-hmm. considering they can't change their position in their group. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, but they probably. But won't. you 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 you, act, you might because. These are two teams that are probably going to win their domestic leagues anyway, mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. might want to go up against each other. Byron might want to prove to PSG that they can hang, prove to everybody right. else that they can hang with PSG, and maybe prove that there is a way to to take down PSG. I think it's certainly a bigger match for Bayern, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's, a bi- it's a bigger match for the rest of the world than it is yeah. for PSG, <laughs> right, to see if yeah. anybody can do it. Right, no, certainly. And I think if anyone's going to beat PSG, I think it's going to be one of the English teams this year. Uh, really, I think so. Just because, I mean, Tottenham's been playing outstanding form, uh, like, 
through the entire group in stage. In the Champions League. Mm-hmm. In the Champions League, but I'm assuming that'll continue. And Fingers even, crossed. Even uh, Manchester United has been, you know, really strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I really think, I mean, Barcelona could always come back and they're they're always around. They're too talented to not be right. in contention. Right, but I think it's mainly going to be one of those English teams because I think Tottenham has really proved to me. That now, now, my question is, does the benefit of being a team like Bayern Munich or PSG um, in a or even Juventus where you're going to win your league, there's not any suspense in France, Germany, or Italy, who's going to win the league? I mean, there's a little in Italy, mm-hmm. so I'll, I'll take Juve out of that equation, but there's no suspense in, in France or Germany who's going to win the league. It's going to be Bayern Munich and PSG. There's not a lot of suspense in England. I mean, Manchester City's probably going to win the league. We'll get into the Premier League in a bit. But in such a hard-fought league where everybody's scrapping and clawing for top four, uh, Spurs are clawing for top four at this point. Mm -hmm. They're in fifth Mm -hmm. behind Arsenal. Um, Chelsea are scrapping and clawing to get into that top two. United are chasing City, and City are trying. I mean, and very successfully, but they're trying to hold everybody else off. And so... Does being in a more competitive league where you have to put out strong squads at the weekend every week to play domestic opponents, does that hurt English teams in the Champions League or does it help them because they get more time as a unit and they're playing better competition so they're more seasoned for European competition? Personally, I think it really does take a toll on the players like over the course of the season because then... You start getting into February, March, you have, you know, back-to-back week knockout games, you know. So, and then you're in the middle of your domestic play. It's hard for these players at their age and the the level they have to play at to play consistently. So, like, at their ages. So, when you get to these midweek games, like, we don't always see the full roster. But if you're in a league like, you know, League One, League One, or, you know, Bundesliga, and you're one of those two teams that we talked about, PSG or Bayern, you can maybe pull back a little bit on the weekend game and then throw all your starters out on on Tuesday or Wednesday when you need them. So, so I, I, I do agree with that, that it, it, it takes a toll on English teams. But is there is the, there the other argument to be made that beca- uh, early in the season, early in groups, in the group stages, what, before it's really worn on them, does playing – a full strength squad at the weekend does that improve these English teams because they've all across the board been playing so well in group stages as compared to teams who we normally see play well in European play who are struggling Dortmund and uh, Atletico Madrid come to mind there does so early on does it help is my question I think honestly I think it does help because when when you have that kind of competition like it, there is in the Barclays Premier League, when you're playing against top talent, it makes it raises your level of game, and then once you get to like UEFA, then you then you play even better, and you're getting a lot more chemistry because you're playing with these guys a lot. I also I think it helps them in the short term, but it also could help them in the long term, because if you're let's say let's say you're Manchester City and you've and you're playing so well in the Barclays, you've beaten Man United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, all these great teams, and then you go up against maybe like a Bayern, you you have to believe that you have a chance to win the game. So I think it helps, honestly. I mean, yes, yes, you know, the players are going to be tired from playing all those games, but they're soccer players. They have to be conditioned yeah, really and, well. Yeah, and there's something to be said for the fitness of your 
playing 90 minutes yeah. at the weekend every week as opposed to some of these other teams who might be resting some players week in and week out. Um, so very quickly before we move on to the Premier League, um, does any English team stand a chance of winning the tournament? You know what? Basically, it, my question is, can Manchester City win the tournament? <laughs> but I'm going to open it up <laughs> yeah, to say uh, any English team, but it, we all know I'm talking about Manchester City. It, it really depends on the draw, honestly. I mean, if if Manchester City gets onto the side where maybe they had to play like PSG and Bayern Munich, they might be in trouble. But again, they've been playing so well. I could see Manchester City winning. And again, maybe if Manchester United guys like Lukaku and, and Pogba play really, really, really well, who knows? Maybe they maybe they have a surprise upset. Tottenham too, honestly. I like Harry Kane a lot. I think they could do something. It really depends on just just the momentum of the game and how it's going. Like I said, upsets are possible. They don't happen a lot, especially in UEFA, but you never know. I think Manchester City is going to do it. They have to do it this year. Uh, they've been around That's for so point, long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have been having like last year's exit uh, from the from the knockout stages was severely disappointing when they went out and they need to avenge that they need to avenge you know they now have uh, Pep Guardiola they have you know all these pieces that the Manchester City management has put together for them and they have not even gotten to the semifinals I don't think yet yeah I mean they've got such a talented roster at this point that they've spent so much money Mm -hmm. on Mm -hmm. Um, so many players that have had success all over England and Europe and they've all come together at Manchester City and are playing absurdly well. So I do think that if any year is going to be their year, it might be this year. So moving into the Premier League, um, I do want to get to Manchester United and Manchester City. But very quickly, I want to touch on uh, some concern for uh, Tottenham, um, who were third as of two or three weeks ago and now are fifth. They've dropped points in three matches in a row. Uh, the North London Derby on the road, that's a tough match. You can't really be too upset dropping points there. But dropping points to West Brom and Leicester is two consecutive very disappointing results for Tottenham. So is there concern or is it just fatigue from playing in the Champions League? And they've had some injuries, so they've been playing with basically the same 11 in both Champions League and Premier League very consistently for a while now. Is it just fatigue? Is it injuries? Like, what is Toby Alderweireld still out? Like, what's going on there i mean it could be fatigue but i mean even even the one game they've won in their last five was only one nil over crystal palace i mean that's not that's not saying too much either you know that means you barely got out of there with a win so i mean i think for tottenham it's 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 hard to pinpoint honestly because not that they're doing that bad i mean they're still in fifth that's Mm -hmm. a europa league spot and there's still time in the in the season they're only one point below arsenal yeah and 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 it's not that i think that spurs are gonna fall out of contention for the top four i have very little confidence in arsenal's talent on their roster and in arson wenger as a manager i don't think they're gonna hang around in that fourth spot for long mm-hmm. so i'm not I'm, I'm not saying it is the in in there's concern for spurs missing the top four but just generally is there concern at like for spurs as a as the, this 11 the squad like is their concern right i mean the, the, it's they're not finishing their chances mm-hmm. so is that right is that a form thing is that a mental thing i just think maybe i feel like every team especially with barclays and, and barclays is a very they have a very long season i feel like 
teams just go through lulls Ebbs in and, and flows, out. Yeah. yeah. So I think they're just kind of in a lull right now. They're kind of just struggling. I wouldn't want to count them out though, because Tottenham is a very good team. I just think they need to kind of get healthy, just find their style of play, and I think they'll be good. I think. I mean, look. I know Manchester City is, has 37 points and Tottenham has 24. I'm not saying that Tottenham is going to come make a crazy comeback and win the Barclays Premier League, but they have a chance. They just got to win a couple of games and and get some draws. I mean, that's it. Yeah, and they, they do have a, uh, a match in the Champions League at home next week against Apoel. And they've been playing really well in the Champions League, and Apoel have been pretty weak in the Champions League. So that might be a good match for Spurs to regain their form with no pressure, having already won the group, uh, maybe get their feet under them a little bit. Um, so I do want to move on to the Manchester's. So I want to I want to drop some statistics on you fellas. Uh, Manchester City and Manchester United are the only teams in the Premier League with at least thirty points at this point in the season. Manchester City have thirty seven, United have thirty two, Chelsea's third with twenty six. So United, who are in second place, are six points clear of third place. City and United are the o- also the only two teams with a goal difference of at least twenty. City's is thirty four, United's is twenty four, Chelsea's in third with thirteen. That means United, who are 10 goals behind City, are 11 goals ahead of the next best team. So can anybody touch either of them for top two at this point? Chelsea would would have the best chance just based on where they are in the table and probably talent-wise. But Mm -hmm. can anybody touch these teams? I mean, originally coming into the season, I wasn't expecting Chelsea to repeat. Uh, That's at least what I thought, but I didn't think both Manchester's would take off this much. Mm. Um, looks like Jose Mourinho finally got his, you know, started getting his team to do what he wanted. And now they're finally back to where they were quite a few years ago. I mean, you think about it, Manchester United would always the top top of the league, and they mm-hmm. haven't been there, back there, for, the, for a long time. I mean, good probably like five, six years or so now. So, I mean, it's good to see them back to where they are. But right now it looks like, Unless there's a late season run from Chelsea, there's not going to be much uh, touching these two teams. All right, so so the Premier League is, uh, I mean, we can say it's pretty, um, un- barring a huge stumble, it's Manchester mm-hmm. City's. So I want to mm-hmm. move on very quickly. We are Fordham University's preeminent soccer podcast, so we have okay. to talk about Fordham soccer. I'm just going to give you a recap of where we are so far if you're unfamiliar with this Fordham soccer team. So they got into the NCAA tournament with an at-large bid after losing to UMass in the A-10 tournament. Um they beat St. Francis Brooklyn at home at Jack Coffee Field in a game I had the privilege of being on the call for. It was a thrilling overtime game. They came back from two separate one-goal deficits in that game. So then they, they that victory gets them the privilege of traveling to Virginia to play the number 11 team in the country, Virginia. And they beat them 1-0. And that earns them the privilege of traveling to North Carolina to play the number 6 team in the country, Duke. They go down 1-0. They tie the game 1-1. They go down 2-1. They tie the game again. It goes to penalty kicks. It's the eighth or ninth round of penalty kicks where Nuhu finally, the 10th round, where Nuhu finally makes that save and sends Fordham through to the Elite Eight of the NCAA tournament. Crazy. Fordham is on a roll. It's They're on fire. They're a lot of fun to watch. ACC so, Slayers. Th- yeah, they've taken <laughs> down two big ACC teams, two basically top 10 in the country ACC teams. They've got another one. They're going to Greensboro to play the number three team in the country, University of North Carolina Tar Heels. Why not? The ultimate underdogs. 
they're pulling a North Carolina State in the eighties when they beat Houston in the in the finals. Yeah, it this is it's so much fun to watch and Rashid Nuhu especially, the way he oh, performed so in the in that penalty kicks against Duke, such a strong, talented team. He converted a penalty, first of all, in like the third or fourth round. Like he was ready to go. It's not like they were like running out of players and they had to pull in Nuhu. He was ready to go. <laughs> In the he third, was fourth round. Fourth round. He was mm-hmm. ready to go in the fourth round, and he converted it calmly. That he's was right after he made a player. save. Yeah. yeah. And then he, he's he been an incredible player for this Rams. This is, this is a fun team, a very mm-hmm. senior-heavy team. Mm-hmm. Can they go – can they do it again? Can they make it to the Final Four in Philadelphia? Well, I've been doubting this team the entire way uh, just because I'm like, oh, the, the Virginia, ACC, they're not going to beat them. And then when they – did beat them I said well you know because it was an outstanding defensive effort and they got a goal within the final eight minutes and just shut Virginia down the entire time then they go to Duke they kept coming back from being down and then one of the most incredible penalty shootouts I think I've ever seen and that's even college like just college soccer I mean the quality of play from Fordham right now is very impressive I mean these are teams that win national championships yeah and it's a lot of great leadership from the seniors on the team they have three senior captains um on this team and they've been incredible all season um so very quickly yes or no Fordham in the final four Nicholas no I'm gonna say yes (laughs) that my man I'm gonna say yes as well I think they can do it I don't know that they will but they can which they could I don't at know this, if they at will. this point, if mm-hmm. you'd come to me and said Fordham would be in the Elite Eight to play North Carolina, I would have said the only way they could get there is if they got the got a really weird, fluky, really weak draw mm-hmm. to get there. Oh, yeah. But they went to Virginia, they went to Duke, and they beat these teams. So why not North Carolina? They're proving themselves to be a soccer school. Yeah, how about it? Who would have thought? Top eight in the country. You know, they're actually the the first men's team of all the men's teams in, in Fordham to reach an Elite Eight. That's, That's crazy. <laughs> it Making history here in the Bronx or in Charlottesville or Greensboro or wherever they happen to be doing it, it's been an excellent edition of FUVFC with Christian Nokai and Nicholas Lehman. I am Christian Hoban. Thank you for listening.